Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Adventures in Machine Learning. I'm one of your co-hosts, Ben Wilson, joined today by my other co-host. Michael Burke. Hi, everyone. And today we've got a, a very interesting set of special guests. We're going to be talking about uh, what their company does and some of the, the recent uh, publicity that they've they've done. And if you could just introduce yourselves. Uh, yeah, my name is Oleg. Hello, everyone. I'm CEO of uh, A Hunters. The company is around uh, cognitive computing for media entertainment. Hi, everyone. My name is Anastasia. I'm a CMO here at iHunters, and I oversee marketing activities. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Awesome. So you guys had a really cool application where you use machine learning to generate sports highlights. And that was the initial like eye-catching topic that I think got you guys recognized to, to come on the show. Um, I was wondering if you could provide a little bit more information about how you guys did that, why you chose that application, and just, yeah, explain explain your thought process around it. Yeah, so basically our main idea at the beginning was uh, to make any type of artificial intelligence application for specifically for media entertainment content. And the specificity of this content, that the variety is pretty wide. So, you know, the if you would like to create a robot who can understand, you know, every movie, every type of sport, every TV show. So basically some type of unsupervised approaches, approaches should be applied here because you can predict all, you know, cases for, you know, all interesting moments in every type of movie. So that's why initially, you know, we started with the research and development around these AI approaches and mathematics that could be applied here. And sports uh, basically was our sub-branch where we, you know, make transfer of this uh, technology to specific type of content because it has some additional properties about this game that could be, you know, modeled in another way and provides, uh, you know, some specific specific type of summarization. But here we are talking about any type of uh, content summarization and uh, highlights is basically a one case of, of, of that and sport highlights is one case of, of those summarization. Yeah. yeah. And uh, why it's artificial intelligence? Because we would like our machine to understand the content and extract something, you know, important here. So that's why it's it's highlights creation. It's a task for the robots of artificial intelligence anyway. That's pretty fascinating. So it, it's feeding in video image of, mm-hmm. of a sporting event and mm-hmm. doing what normally a human would have to do 
just yes. peruse through, watch the entire match and say, here's yeah. the top 10 highlights of interesting things that happened. And that brings to, to mind a, an interesting constraint problem. So mm -hmm. in a lot of unsupervised AI, when you're talking about video processing, there's no real bounding box if you're just looking at general video of humans doing things. But in a sporting match, like what you said, there's there's a constraint boundary around that where the video is only looking at, you know, the sport pitch, whatever it may be of that that match. And there's rules associated with what can and can't happen within there. You're not going to have somebody wheel out a table and start cooking food in the middle of a, a soccer field. So it, it doesn't have to adapt to that. It's mm -hmm. the players doing these things within this constraint rule set. So is that one of the reasons why you chose to to focus on that to demonstrate the learning like something that is that has so like such strict rules around it probably yes and you are right that's you know the some restriction around sport games give us additional advantages to do something but probably original and natural idea to do that because of markets and because of market demands for that. So that's why we selected this branch, uh, you know, because there are, you know, huge money and huge, in our case, employees who do that with the eyes. And our main idea, you know, to substitute human eyes with robotics, eyes and brains. So that's why we see that we can, you know, save a lot of, uh, you know, human hours by robots. And basically it's our global philosophy and global mission, you know, to substitute humans in simple tasks, simple cognitive tasks, because highlight generation is not something very creative. And we are not aiming to, to you know, to be more creative than human is. So, but for simple, you know, routine job, uh, we are doing uh, good stuff. But I agree that, you know, some advantages of choosing sport, as you mentioned, uh, they are valid as well. Yeah, for sure. And one question. So I watch a lot of basketball highlights. I was watching mm -hmm. like 30 minutes to an hour yesterday. And I noticed that the voice or the commentators don't always sync up to the video itself. Do you guys separate speech processing from image processing and parse them separately? Or do you just chop it wherever it is, wherever the image would say it should be chopped? Okay, yeah, it's a good question. So basically, it's very critical. Uh, this type of tracking is very critical for um, movies. And we transfer this movies analysis when we do trailers generation, we transfer this technology to sports events. So we control basically the audio track. If you would like to include this fencing by audio, it's one story you can set up and include this fencing by audio. Sometimes it would require, you know, to have only specific uh, shots, if you're talking about operator shots and operator fencing. So we select only them because nobody knows what type of post-processing on top of our highlights will be added later and in which broadcasting base they will be distributed, probably with overlay sounds or overlay music, whatever. So, but we, we support both functionality. So I have a question for you, Anastasia. For marketing a solution like this, how do you get attention to markets that are around the world to say, hey, you have an army of people who are doing this right now and we don't want to replace them. We just want to replace the boring stuff that they do and give them tooling. Like how do you message that to, to big companies that might employ thousands of people to do this? 
Yeah, that's a good question again, because people get frustrated when you tell them that robots are coming, robots are taking your jobs. So you got to be really, really specific and careful about phrasing those your words. So what we do is we have a specific demo UI system where people can come to and they can see what particular tasks uh, they can do with our robot, what abilities uh, the robot has, and what can be automated. So uh, the best way to make people like calm and not frustrated to show them that we are not aiming to replace human creativity because um, it will not happen like in in this decade, if ever will happen. This robot just can like replace some routine tasks so what we do is try to drive people to this demo system and so they can see that it can be done automatically yeah yeah we started with you know augmentation so just uh, provide that yeah we can make augmentation of your daily task but in the end you know when we come closer to enterprises and work with them they understand that they can trust and we can provide end-to-end services without any human involvement so yeah that's some trick that we use starting with augmentation discussion and coming to full full automation do you ever have people who try to use the tool the wrong way somebody who uploads something that is not really intended to to make clips out of just to see if if they can break it or if if they Uh, just want to use it for a, a use case that it's not intended for yeah, in our case, you know, we have this application uh, is open for everybody, so everybody can register, and uh, we don't control what's going on. I just come, you know, to our administrative interface and see new registration, see lots of people doing something there, but we don't control them, and vice versa, you know, because we are aiming to enterprises, uh, so B2E it's our main model, so enterprises don't want to come uh, somewhere, so we do everything for them and use our UI, you know, just to present final results because they don't have time, you know, to check something. So that's why probably it's a good, you know, idea. Let me ask team to go through some uploads and to see what people uh, basically uh, is doing that. Because, yeah, yeah, it's a good uh, thought. Let, next time, next time we'll report about what's going on, you know. <laughs> but I guess there is no fun stuff there because uh, the only videos that are run for the system are the ones with maybe some broken pixels and something like that, but no, no, no criminal stuff, so to say. I was just wondering if people were uploading like copyrighted movies, just trying to see, hey, can I make a movie trailer for free as a sample or, or other videos that you'd be like, I don't think we want to process these on our platform. It just brings up a topic that that Michael and I have talked about many episodes ago about adversarial attacks on systems that are exposed Mm -hmm. to end users to play around with. And Mm -hmm. if it's something that even in the the B2E space, if if there's ever a a time where one of your customers might try to use the the tool for something that's just not built for, like you said, heavily pixelated data or there's corrupted or partially corrupted video file if they if there's some detection that you put in to say okay we can't actually process this because it's going to it's going to create nonsense on the outside and then i have one quick question so i currently work at a media company and we have some trailer auto generation and then we also have a lot of 
on the home screen, the the home picture for a given movie or a TV show is often selected by machine learning as well. That being said, we have a lot of hand curated content and we try to combine the two to effectively increase KPIs. I was wondering how you guys approach increasing KPIs with your trailers because using unsupervised learning, yes, you can definitely create a reasonable trailer, but there are millions of different combinations where you can break down a movie into a given trailer. So how do you know Mm -hmm. if it's effective? Uh, yeah, in our case, we don't know and we rely, you know, on our customers to understand why do they need those missing trailers to be created by machine. So, and it's very tricky moments because if they don't have missing trailers and they would like to create with their hunters, you know, trailers for, I don't know, 50,000 of uh, series, you know, budget series and uh, low-cost series and provide these teasers for them and trailers for them, why do they need it nobody knows. So with any KPIs, as you mentioned, if they will not control the value, monetization value from that, they uh, don't need to implement that. So that's why it's very, it's very hard to put uh, those, uh, you know, those activity if they don't have manual job doing that. But if they do manual job, so that's why our idea to prepare a pipeline or to customize a pipeline to substitute human. And that's, it's very easy for us to understand what we should achieve. So, you know, to bring our intellectual level to the human that do that. So nobody can see the difference in outputs. So probably we can discuss scenarios or some specific, you know, logic that's current employee do, uh, does that. So we can, you know, make a model of decision to, to make the, the same the same uh, scenario or the same behavior for teaser generation. So that's easy for us to measure this KPI to be as similar as possible. But in first case, that's I predicted that definitely something on the within the responsibility of our customer. Got it. Yeah. The, the reason I ask is it's sometimes difficult to build trust with non-technical stakeholders. And if you could show improvements in KPIs, that would be a quick thing because what if you're showing like a, a blurry image as the home screen container so yeah ju- just a thought yeah uh, yes you're right yeah but yeah definitely so that's why in our model because we are not you know owners of ott platform or telco company we cannot prove the disability uh, and value on our infrastructure infrastructure so that's why during making those partnership and collaboration with customer we do everything till they start getting value they can measure so if they for example push you know 100 uh, missing trailers to the system and see that the outputs of money of subscription of, I don't know, views, whatever, okay, we can scale that on commercial level, uh, you know, as much as possible. If not, we should change something. So even in the case of ready-to-go product or framework, for every integration, we need to, you know, treat it as the additional planning project, how to properly use this robot. So that's why in our case, for working for enterprises, every time is a new story for us, how to bring value with, with the machine. From a logistics perspective, when you get a new big client, do you have a suite of sort of pre-trained architecture that you you use transfer learning to say, okay, we, we know this this model understands how to process video and, and audio, and we're going to now just retrain it on, as you said, if you have something in place where humans have been doing this, they're making those clips and stitching them together, then you can you just retrain that pre-trained model on 
the activity of their employees. Is that how it works? Not really. Yeah, it's another, you know, set of questions. Probably you, you, you are touching, you know, the, the great philosophy that we are following. So when we are talking about artificial intelligence implementation for such tasks, we cannot train or cannot use only deep learning and machine learning uh, to do that. Because in this complex uh, data variety, you are not able to create end-to-end pipeline and, for example, to show uh, best goals for or best, you know, baskets uh, and train with this data set to get uh, instant results. So that's why we combine deep learning and digital image processing to extract features to imitate human eyes. And then all this, uh, you know, data, understanding of what's inside, what's in, within frame, what is in send come to another models, we call it decision models, where we utilize probabilistic AI, uh, cognitive science, machine perception, and other areas of artificial intelligence rather than deep learning machine learning to make a decision and those decisions you know uh, coming you know like human make a decision so when for example you have a number of good baskets you detect them you understand that it's around the shot and say everything how to create a sequence from that so this is a mathematical model that tries to optimize the function of best highlights from this perspective of view for example it should uh, contain only only good basket and the soul that's one story and the system you know like human selected and try to select the best composition, the same flow could be implemented through artificial intelligence, for example, by probabilistic AI that can do thousands of uh, iterations combining all different stuff and getting the best score. So that's why when new client is coming, we use the same stuff of pre-trained deep learning models or some additional feature extraction component for football, basketball, hockey, whatever. But this, you know, output that's something that we, we make reconfiguration of the decision components and they are they are basically by mathematics they are unsupervised. So our idea, you know, to program some expectation from the output uh, that human has. So that's why in our questionnaire we ask what's, you know, the best highlights for you. So we try to transform the expectation in human words into, you know, into mass model that can work uh, on top of, of this footage input. So that's our story. So that's why it's a little bit easier if you know what to, what to turn, what to adjust, you know, and how it affects final results. Yeah, it's an excellent explanation. And it's something that I've, you know, sort of personally done, not this exact use case, but we hear a lot of people talk about applications of deep learning and AI. And a lot of times it's almost focused on sort of a demo where it's like, oh, there's this one model and we're just consuming its output and we train it and we try to lower the loss. But when you're talking about a true production grade system or an entire software suite, which is what you have, you're combining all of these different philosophies, all of these different Mm -hmm. techniques computer vision you know a lot of people think like oh deep learning can do all computer vision like no it can't (laughs) yeah there's a lot of things that it can't do so it's just refreshing to hear you talk through exactly the complexity that's surrounding this because it it lets everyone know that this is what you need to do in order to make like solve problems like this and it's Mm -hmm. an i'm sure it's an iterative process of going through and saying does this work? Let's try that. Okay. Okay. Maybe that doesn't work. All right. Let's let's change this a little bit. Add this this new function and, and tool in into this. But I was smiling while you were talking about that because I was just thinking of: Have you ever had a customer ask for the opposite of good baskets? 
like, hey, we just want a yeah. male highlight rule, like real of just the worst things that happened in the sporting match. Yeah, but basically, you know, when we are talking about highlights, it's a very interesting interesting question because if you come to statistics and you come, you know, to, to pure, you know, statistics events, that's basically is very interesting for one auditory, for probably for some, I don't know, if you're talking about uh, highlights for sports and bars, that's going to be, you know, another type of video footage or highlights reels that give this impression. And probably this impression is about, you know, close-ups, with some emotions of Ronaldo and some replays with other stuff and fun zone, reaction and so on and so on. Or probably people, you know, comes, okay, we would like to have a stadium view, then, uh, you know, emotions, then a couple of, you know, core actions, then fun zone and so on and so on. So it depends on the final shape. And it's not only about a sports, pure sport achievements. It's about, uh, we treat it as a type of show. Sports is a show, so we come here from this position. Because if you're talking about pure sporting events, definitely some approach is based on data feeds or some additional, you know, simplified stuff based on controlling the scores or whatever could simplify the job and you, you don't uh, need, you know, so powerful uh, AI to do that. But if you treat a sports event like a movie, that's why you we can give this advantage, you know, for the industry. So, and we treat, you know, any game like a movie. So, and even, you know, if uh, proceeding with how we do this analysis, we can imagine that we have a, a team, you know, of sub-workers. One is, uh, can control the color, one is control operator job, one is controlling focus, one, one is knows, you know, what, what this person is, one's tracking the person, one, and uh, so many information come to the final brains. So I uh, can tell you that if, for example, you take the information and analysis what operator does during the sports events. So because, you know, we can extract this information and we know the director that's uh, switching the camera, they definitely try to give you the best, uh, you know, in, uh, best um, footage. So when we, you control this information, we can extract even without understanding the rules of the game. Analyzing this, we can extract shots, shots that give you know the probably best highlight highlights even without even additional understanding what's inside. So that's why we're using different type of information from broadcasting stream that give us you know the full picture. But that's one story, you know how we can extract interesting moments. That's super cool. So you sort of leverage the assumption that cameramen and people who are filming the match will be getting exciting moments already. Yeah, it's one of, of the assumptions. So we use that as, as in our optimization functions, in our decision, we use it one, one stuff that could help us. So that's why if you, for example, understand the pattern of the game, you can extract anomalies, you can extract bra- breaks, you can extract, you know, some fun zones, so and so on and so on. So you understand this is full height, this is close up, this is goal zones observation, plus you have, you know, the operator job. So you can come into exact pieces where you can apply deep learning, for example, for exact understanding, is it goal or not? Because you don't have to find goals everywhere. You should just validate, is it, you know, if you know that operator switch to goal zone for 10 seconds and is, is this shot is about activity inside, you can, you know, analyze for additional what's inside. Is it, you know, a shot off, a shot out, is it corner kick, is it penalty, and so on and so on. So that's why uh, this is very helpful not to analyze, uh, not to find, you know, goals in uh, advertisement block inside.
So that, that's uh, our powerful, uh, powerful approach as well. So yes, we use operator behavior and we use that in the movie as well. Yeah, definitely. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're a beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Have you ever heard of a sports team calling out highlight reels being biased against them? Let's say they've won the match and, mm -hmm. and then an automatic generated highlight reel because activity for the other team that lost was more exciting or the camera operators just focused on them okay. for longer periods of time. The, yeah. Is the system oh. able to say, I want to create a highlight reel for team A versus team B? Yeah, we do, we do, you know, on top we do the facial recognition and team, rec uh, and, um, uh, team recognition. We do some stuff. They're not statistical company, definitely, but we do stuff, some uh, geometry and homography and tactical. Uh, so we can do that. But your question remind me one experiment that we do with Anastasia. We take a game uh, of our team, uh, which, uh, <laughs> which uh, lost a couple of time and try to push that robot and see what's going to be, you know, the most impressive moments by, by robots without any, you know, personal attraction. And uh, definitely it shows in broadcasting events, yeah, the opposite team. And definitely you are right that the, in our case, robots uh, will uh, extract more performable things from there, uh, more shows, as, as I said. If we will not try to you know, set up another scenario, another scenario. Yeah. And yeah. And in, in, in our models, you know, when we are telling about our capabilities, so we most talking about, you know, that you have some archived games or archived library, for example, with Michael Jordan for 90s and it's thousands of hours that nobody can review its legacy content. So let's try our robot to review that and try to create different highlight reels. So, probably best shots uh, or some highlights from specific games or probably create, you know, some uh, reels for, you know, entire year and so on and so on. So in our model, you can run through a robot once and then apply different presets to generate different stuff because robot has, uh, has seen already, has this knowledge, and then you can, you know, recompile whatever you want. So that's something around us. So we are not, you know, aiming to really provide some uh, stuff for probably for rights of the game. We can do that, but in for uh, super leagues, for uh, top top leagues, there are data feeds, and it's easy, you know, to cut off by by moments of time, and that's all. But when we come to archive, definitely need some smart system uh, like uh, ours that uh, can do that. So you could theoretically take, say, the history of the NFL, yeah, every single recorded Super Bowl, and it'll adapt from 
the first televised one where there may have been only two cameras on the field. Mm -hmm. There just wasn't that many people watching it back then. And it'll adapt from that all the way to the most recent one where there's probably 200 cameras on the field. Yeah, and so basically... Yeah. Yeah. In, in our in our you know global mission, we would like all contents uh, to be stored by us. We do not. Uh, we won't, don't want to store the contents. We would like to store the knowledge. And if you run all you know all those games you mentioned as knowledge in our system, that means you can generate any highlights on demand. So you can generate you know personal highlights. So for example, I need only, you know, I don't know, some specific stuff and it will extract and give, you know, and navigate you through that. We even don't need to make this physical media processing. We just, you know, set up, you know, start and start and start and and you can, you know, see highlights by moods, you know, every day. So that's why, yeah, we are looking for such partners because we as a company, we, um, we need our robot to fit with the contents. So that's why we are looking for this. We review customers, the partner for us, because they have consents. We have robots. They can fit. Everybody can get value. So if somebody would come with this great archive, that's going to be, you know, the the, the best day uh, in our life. Because nowadays, primarily, they are talking about uh, ongoing events. Because ongoing events, they are, you know, the more expensive from monetization points of view and so on and so on. But our, you know, philosophy and idea is to work with, with this legacy as well. And Anastasia, I had a question about communicating this value because you guys are doing very complex, technically robust stuff. So how technically in-depth is it or how technically in-depth is the optimal level for communicating value that you guys provide? Uh, The optimal level would be the high level because people don't want to hear about tech stuff. And when we mention such notions as cognitive computing and so on, people just get scared. And we're trying to communicate that it is not fraud. It is not like AI 2.0 and such kind of magical stuff. Uh, We are trying to communicate that it is actionable, working system that can get you value. And uh, answering your question, Michael, We do drag some notions into our sales decks, into our website, because it's impossible to translate to like translate this value to the world if you don't um, mention those technical stuff. But uh, yeah, we are trying to make it like smooth and not to pile it up. But sometimes when we are on the calls, (laughs) Oleg just gets loose <laughs> and tries to explain everything in depth. <laughs> do you ever have technically minded customers that actually do want to know what's going on behind the scenes? Mm. Sometimes, sometimes we uh, find those yeah. customers. Maybe they don't want to get so much in depth, but they become kind of our technical advocates for their teams. They understand what's going on at least on high level, and they they just going to translate it to the uh, non-tech, probably non-tech teams. Yeah, I think that's a really good approach with the, when you're communicating to a, a media company. Yeah, they're not going to want to, they may want to talk about the technical stuff, but you're speaking a completely different language if you're discussing that with them. Like they don't have the context uh, to understand yeah, yeah. <laughs> and doing that translation for them to say, that's why I think the demo is really good. 
and that's a, a powerful tool that any data science team or ML engineering team should be taking as a lesson from what both of you are saying. If you're building a product that uses AI, ML, and any sort of cognitive science from that a computer is doing, the easiest way to show it is to just show it. Here's here's the raw data. Here's what the output is. Play around with it. Upload your own video. See what happens and let the tool speak for itself. But at certain points, it's interesting to me to hear that you said your, your CEO sometimes gets into the weeds and talks to <laughs> technical aspects to a customer. I found that if you do that strategically at just the right time with certain customers who are already emotionally bought into what you are, are providing, that's how you get those epiphany moments where somebody's like, I didn't know that your tool could do this technically complex thing. Maybe we could use it for this other project that we're talking about. So I, I think that's a really good strategy that, that you do. And I don't see it too much from tech companies that that interact with customers. Sometimes they they restrict or just don't even allow a technical person to talk to the customer. Like, no, we can't have engineers in the room or no, we can't have a data scientist. You have a, <laughs> you know, a, a cognitive, are, yes, yeah, you have a yeah. unique setup here where your, your CEO is a technical person. So you can, you can have that conversation at just the right time. I think it's a recipe for success for, for vendors that are out there talk, trying to talk to companies is to bring that technical person at the right time. Or if you're the CEO, you're having <laughs> You're, you're all of that in one, of course, but it's, I've seen it pay out and it's good to see that it's working for you. Okay. So what would the holy grail be for you as a, a, a customer of yours? If you could join up and, and have any media content provider globally say, hey, we're just using this, this tool to do all of our clips, highlights, produce our YouTube highlight videos, to do any sort of marketing that, that they do, who would that holy grail company be? Like, which customer would you want to have more than any other? Yeah, as I said, so the customer is, you know, the the great content that we can process. And uh, probably nowadays it's more about, I think, the professional production rather than, you know, some customers that's controlling the major user-generated content. Yeah, but I don't even know who can be the the one be desired to have. I don't know Warner Media. I don't know Anastasia. Could you please help me with that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I see it as a two-dimensional thing. The one is about sports because our products are divided between sports and just general media and video so the first one would be like the major leagues nba nfl and nhl because there are two sports that uh, we are we are good about we can produce those highlights and uh, probably uh, the european league ufa uefa so this last customer is actually the one we are already processing highlights for we do soccer highlights for them but we are not uh, like directly connected we just uh, work through intermediate partner and if uh, if we are talking about the holy grail of media companies probably yeah warner media is one of the like most desirable ones definitely netflix and amazon and uh, all of those huge content producers and content providers. As Oleg has uh, said before, uh, we would be more than happy to process all those 
vast libraries, put our hands on those libraries to just make our robot happy and well-fed, <laughs> so to say. Yeah, in our, you know, uh, vision and my personal, you know, desire to find a partner with a global archive, old archive of, for example, sport games and creates a TV channel that's completely directed by robots. So you just set up, you know, some uh, uh, high level description. Okay, let's put basketball and Jordan from 90s, then Ronaldo from uh, then best moments from this Super League and so on and so on. And the robots will come to library, find the best moments and create this, you know, never repeating, never repeating programs. And it could be transferred, you know, in sporting bars and so on and so on. You just play the button and see the high professional uh, contents and those high lights, uh, you know, rotating because I, I like the sports as the show, first of all, about the impression, about the emotion. So that's why, yeah, if you know somebody who would like to participate in the first channel directed uh, by robots, well, let's do that. Let's do that. So would you be able to do something like, let's say the IOC, the Olympic Committee, uh, International Olympic Committee, if they approached you and said, hey, we have 80 years of footage of summer and winter games summarize it for us with the would you be able to say i want to track these the most prolific people like if you provide a list of international athletes that have competed over the last however long they've been televising let's say 80 years it would be able to, to basically find these people throughout history and their best moments and pr provide a highlight reel of this is their their genesis over time Yes, that's basically a request that we are looking for, yeah, and we are ready for that. Yeah, but as I said, working with these big uh, companies and big enterprises, and, we, and it's confirmed by, you know, by uh, uh, market analysis and market research as well, that it's very hard uh, to adapt early technology into big monsters. So it's really easier to work through some intermediate smaller companies who could be early adopters, but uh, when we're talking about Olympic Games, they will use that probably only if everybody, you know, use that so they can, because it's it's a great integrational project rather than technology project for us. Yeah, so that's, but we are looking for such cases, definitely. And I know this is pushing your guys' use case a little bit, but just the idea got me excited. Have you guys thought about generating original content using algorithms? either on prior data or completely novel data. You're talking about generating something? Yeah, like I have a couple buddies that have done music videos that are completely generated by algorithms and they leverage sound data, such as volume, frequencies, etc., mm -hmm. to influence visuals. Um, ah, okay. So, so you can't like make a person who is talking, but you can do art almost. Have you guys ever yeah. thought about things like that? Yeah, you are right in the targets because when we are talking about knowledge pattern and summarization, we are talking about extractive summarization. So we extract something and combine. But this year, we would like to follow the research and development, how to add abstractive summarization so we can generate new content based on knowledge coming from somewhere. But if we are talking about abstractive generation, it's not about neural networks, because today there are lots of hypes around guns and so on and so on. Uh, that's good, you know, somebody could talk any phrase that you would like, uh, but this is 2D 
generation is very poor. You will never get the quality consents. And B are coming into the era when we should generate new consents from 3D modeling and physics there. So like Unreal Engine and so on and so on. So we would like to mix our AI approaches and generate something in this uh, 3D world. And that's basically our plan for this year as a research and development stage. So we definitely would come from, uh, you know, from extractive to abstractive uh, generation. And probably one day, one day, you can take a broadcasting of, of Super League match and generate the same in the virtual space. And you can see that from every, you know, from every angle by your camera. And nobody needs those extractive highlights that's combining something from operator job probably in 20 years we will have that yeah but let's start doing that today somehow that's yeah, a really that's super cool. smart <laughs> yeah. yeah so I mean, yeah i mean if if you see the the resolution that's capable in the the latest unreal engine that's come out yeah uh, if you take time to render that at you know pre-rendered video nobody's nobody's computer at home is going to be able to do that in real time to you know just in time compile that 3d model but if you do that offline asynchronously and generate that high resolution 8K video, there's certain situations, as long as you don't have that uncanny valley of displaying a human in the scene. But if, if you're displaying something like a landscape or architecture or anything, it's really challenging to tell that from a high resolution photograph these days. Yeah. So it, that's such a smart thing that I, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about, about, hey, I'm going to recreate this sporting event by using a, a video game engine basically to render it and then you could basically WASD on your keyboard around in a virtual environment if you wanted to make it interactive or yes. just render the video as a viewer would be moving seats around a stadium that's really yeah. smart yeah and in the same time you know people can do that today and uh, here, a hunters just, you know, make some automation on top of that. What could be automated by robots by AI in this long process today, we would like to jump into that. But anyway, we will follow our mission. We don't want to be better than a human. So if Ronaldo plays the game, we don't want machines to play the game instead of him. He would like to capture this activity, unique activity of Ronaldo, and then play with that in some virtual reality without, you know, pretending uh, to be better than human with our machine. So that's why take a knowledge from real world, from unique uh, unique knowledge and push them into metaverse or how it's going to uh, uh, be called. Yeah, that's, that's what we're going to do. Hey folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Another thing that, that hit me is, have teams actually reached out to you to have you provide insight on how their players play? Like, hey, we've analyzed, we've gone through all this video of all these matches. Who should we play in you know, left corner position or something, or who should be our tight end for this game coming up? Yeah, I can, I, I can tell that uh, there are a lots of 
smart team and you know AI team that specifically work for tactics and statistics. So they collect you know some uh, install some specific cameras and so on and so on. So they uh, working uh, working with post detection and, and specific stuff. So we are not aiming for that. So our mission is to work with dirty uh, advertisement uh, based streams from TV sets and try to extract something. So that's why I think those teams and those companies who have disabilities, definitely they have those requests for such uh, deep analysis. Interesting. I have a question. We're talking about some really cool cutting edge stuff. What excites you both the most about this field, let's say over the next 10 years? I think that uh, we will be able to generate contents on the months, it's going to be, you know, some mix of my personal desire, 3D of virtual games like we have today and our knowledge and uh, personal knowledge. So definitely I will be able to generate, you know, some football game that's my uh, relative and neighborhoods uh, play this instead of Ronaldo. And uh, so it's going to be, you know, some complete free environment when I can, so like in first matrix, when you can, you know, imagine something and, and see, so that's something that we are going to have. So you will, uh, if you're talking about, you know, some um, advisory contents, uh, like Pornhub, you will never select, so you will just choose so you, what you would like to have, and it will generate, you know, online for you without any pre-recordings. So that's, that's what we are going definitely to have uh, in future. That yeah. sounds an awful lot like Terminator to me. We don't need any type of actor, any sports player. We'll just yeah, yes, get all. Uh, yeah, but probably anyway, you need to to get this knowledge somewhere. So probably all actors need to be captured, you know, in some local environments, and then could be distributed. Their nice faces could be distributed to 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 every engine and so on and so on. So because everybody. Anyway, would like to have uh, a nice uh, faces in their in their movies and in their environments. So that's by anyway, we will need actors. Yeah, Anastasia, what about you? The same. Yeah, probably <laughs> the same for me. This three D generation stuff, three D video generation. I mean, but also on the like short term perspective, what excites me most is that we can get rid of this terrific amounts of content that we are surrounded with and uh, our engine and probably other engines uh, will be able to like define the most important content that shouldn't be missed for personally me and uh, not to like show me everything in the world but just my personal personal recommendations so to silence the noise and just show you what you actually care about i think that's a, a message for internet culture in general. It's like this <laughs> yeah. fire hose of information that comes from every location. I think a little bit of filtering is, I would enjoy a little bit more filtering. That's a good idea. Well, this is yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely fascinating talk. This was such a great time talking about the, the awesome system that you've built and where the, the future is going to be for your company. And once you break into those markets, I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody from Warner Media Group is listening, but if they are, I mean, check out their product, check out their demo. This sounds really cool. And years and years ago, I used to work as a process engineer in a media company that was owned by Warner Music Group. And I got to go to those studios a lot of times because of the technology that I was working on and flying out there to Burbank and meeting with executives. You just see how much history is there, 
how much content is there. You walk through some of these offices, they have entire walls of flat screen TVs that are playing on loop these 60 second clips of movies throughout the decades. So you see stuff that they didn't even have sound back when that movie was filmed and it's playing in a little clip. And then as you walk down the hall, it gets progressively to modern times, although this was a decade ago. And you just realize how many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of hours of content have been produced and what the cultural value is of that, not just to the United States, but to the world. And what being able to summarize that, not just for entertainment purposes, but also for exposure of people to, you know, you talk to, to anybody who's not maybe a, a film snob or a sports enthusiast who are just not exposed to things. And if you could condense that into something that's like a mini documentary to say, have you seen this before? Here's this really interesting thing of this thing that you might not be aware of. Being able to have an algorithm create that, I think it brings, brings cultural worth to us as a species. And if there's one, even though I asked what your, your gold standard account would be, in the back of my mind was, I wish you had access to the Library of Congress. That content, that is everything that has been produced, basically. And if you could run that through and say, explain humanity for me over the last 100 years, give me a give me a two hour long clip of what the most significant, important parts of human existence of the of the 20th and 21st century is. I think that would be cool. And I would definitely watch it and spam it out to everybody I know. So, yeah, thanks so much for talking to us today. This was absolutely great. And uh any closing thoughts, Michael? We should send that video out in a space probe to aliens. Yes. <laughs> Show what humanity Please really do. is. <laughs> but yeah, th- this was really, really fun. Really, really cool topic. Do you guys have any closing thoughts? Any way that people can contact you or explore AI hunters or anything else? Yeah, just visit CognitiveNull.com. That's our product. It's all about this cognitive automation and, and that's it. Cool. Easy. Yeah, feel free to reach out <laughs> to set up any any exploratory calls with us. We are ready to talk about our AI day and night. Yeah, and potential challenges. Amazing. Awesome, yeah. So thanks again. And mm-hmm. until next time, I've been your host, Ben Wilson. And, and Michael Burke. And we'll catch you all next time. We'll probably be mentioning this talk again in the future because this is so fascinating. But yeah, just one final time. Thank you, Oleg and uh, Anastasia, for coming in and chatting about something that was just so fun for Michael and I. All right. So until next time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.